Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1142 of the Juicebox Podcast. My guest today is the mother of a child living with type 1. Our topics are going to include food, depression, eating disorders, and we're going to talk a bit about a really uh, not great diagnosis story. Please don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. When you place your first order for AG1 with my link, you'll get five free travel packs and a free year supply of vitamin D. Drink ag1.com slash juice box. Don't forget to save 40% off of your entire order at CozyEarth.com. All you have to do is use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. That's JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% at CozyEarth.com. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the JUICEBOX podcast private Facebook group, JUICEBOX podcast, type 1 diabetes. But everybody is welcome. Type 1, type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. Did you know that men, and men of color particularly, are the least likely to sign up to participate in research? In order to make advancements in diabetes treatment to address the needs of everyone with diabetes, it is important that all people are represented in research. The T1D Exchange is seeking males of all ages and backgrounds to sign up for the T1D Exchange Registry. Once enrolled, you will be notified about other type 1 diabetes research opportunities like surveys, focus groups, and clinical trials. So if you are a U.S. resident, male, or the caregiver of a male U.S. resident, the T1D Exchange is looking for you. T1DExchange.org slash juicebox. U.S. Med is sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast, and we've been getting our diabetes supplies from U.S. Med for years. You can as well. USmed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. Use the link or the number, get your free benefits check, and get started today with U.S. Med. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Hello, I am Dana. I am the mother of a type 1 diabetic. It's our daughter who just turned 15 and will be entering her sophomore year of high school. Okay, your 15-year-old daughter was diagnosed when? April of 2021, our first kind of getaway vacation post-COVID. Okay, so a little over two years ago. Yes. All right. She's 15 now, you said. Yeah, she just turned 15 over the weekend. Was there any indication that diabetes was in your family or that this might happen? No, not really. Although, oddly, the great aunt that she's named after, I I do remember stories that, you know, she takes insulin. But <laughs> no one ever said she has diabetes or she has type 1 diabetes or she has type 2 diabetes. She would just sit in a chair and drink gin and apparently she had insulin in her refrigerator. Dana, and, you, you and I are going to have a lot of fun. I said, <laughs> is there any indication that this would happen? You said no, except for the no, fact that except. her great aunt has diabetes <laughs> and took insulin. Yeah, but we don't know if it was type 1. I don't know. It was so long ago. Yeah, no, but we bought her sugar-free candy, and she had 
she had insulin. Did she mix the candy into the gin? I possibly. <laughs> it's possible. Makes it sweeter, Dana. <laughs> Why wouldn't she, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly. <laughs> okay, so nothing that you were on the lookout for. So what were your indications that your daughter had type 1? Nothing was really on the radar until we went on this spring break trip in April. And we went down to the Dominican. So we live in New England. So of course we've been bundled up, you know, all winter. And come April, we we go to the Dominican. It's our first getaway after COVID. And we see her in a bathing suit and she is skin and bones. Like every little bit of muscle is off of her. And she's a she was an athletic kid with a very solid, just good build, you know? Mm-hmm. And um we saw her in a bathing suit and there was not much there. It was scary. And my husband actually noticed it first. And he said, do you think she's too thin? And I didn't even look at her. I just said, no. Kind of like, how can you be too thin? And then, I, and then I looked at her and I was like, oh my God, she's really sick. Like something scary is going on. And I immediately jumped to, she must have an eating disorder. Okay. So we spent that whole vacation, like cramming her full of donuts and Shirley temples and just, you know, me questioning her, like, do you ever throw up after you eat? You know, do you, do you ever, you know, are you ever hungry and you don't eat? And, you know, I was just leaning all into my teenage daughter has an eating disorder, but I do remember laying in bed with her and trying to like go through the possible list of things that it could be. And she says she remembers me. Can I ask Go you ahead. before we move forward, when you were yeah. when you were talking to her about like eating disorder stuff right uh-huh. early on, uh-huh. were you yeah. saying to her, I think you have an eating disorder or are you being very slick and talking around it? I don't fully remember. I'm pretty direct. So I probably wasn't beating around the bush a lot. Okay. I was probably saying, you know, I am concerned that you may have an eating disorder. Did she you respond know? to that saying I do or I don't? She responded, and mom, I promise I don't. Mom, I promise I don't get sick after I eat. I promise I've been eating. Okay. Um, and then I said, well, then, you know, it's, then what else could it be? You know, and we're kind of Googling. And she says she remembers me saying diabetes as one of the, the possibilities. I don't even remember considering that at the time. Okay. But, you know, I remember being, you know, in a stall next to her in the bathroom in the Dominican and like looking underneath to see which way her feet were going. Cause I was just so convinced that she was binging and purging or something is that something you did as a child no no nope okay nope from an after school special you saw like what do you think put you yeah. on that so probably yeah. <laughs> uh probably and you know she was just you know she's a string bikini kid so she's a, a kid that would have cared about how she her, her appearance and how she looks and did she know she was skinny had she like then talked no. like it wasn't something she was aware of okay I don't think she picked up on it either. I think it was so gradual and we were so bundled up over winter. And looking back, I do remember coming down for school one morning, you know, here in the winter and she had these tiny, tiny leggings on and I thought, wow, she's thin, you know, Hmm. but I was, I was a very skinny teenager. So I just assumed she's a skinny teenager. I was a skinny teenager. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Okay. So we get to the point where we're now looking into other things you're just mm-hmm. throwing whatever comes to the wall. But I mean, you go to a, I mean, do you start thinking about going home? How does that strike you? Well, not really. I mean, she was exhausted. She slept a lot. She did not enjoy the vacation. 
but we never thought we need to like get out of here immediately. So, you know, we, we finished the vacation, we came home. I started kind of rummaging through her room a little bit and I did find a drawer beside her bed that was packed to the gills with food wrappers and juice box wrappers and, you know, things that to me just increased my suspicion that there was some type of binge disorder going on. So um, I was going to call the pediatrician anyway, but I think, I don't know if I found the drawer of food first or I called the pediatrician first. I think, I think we got home on a weekend and I found the drawer of food and then Monday morning I called the pediatrician and I said, I think, you know, our daughter has an eating disorder and I explained the scenario and they said, I think you're probably right. Bring her in Monday morning. We'll probably refer her to the Walden Center and Eating Disorder Center up here. And uh, that was the plan. So, you know, Monday morning we packed our bags for school and work and we had like an 8 a.m. appointment with the pediatrician and we talked for a few minutes and then they did urine and I guess her ketones were just spilling over and her glucose was off the chart and the pediatrician came back in the room and said, I don't know how to tell you this, but your daughter has type one diabetes and you need to go to the hospital immediately. Hmm. And then I needed the juice box because I almost passed out. (laughs) Got a little lightheaded. Did you? I did. They laid me down. It was terrible. (laughs) And then they were like, okay, now you really need to go to the hospital (laughs) and don't stop for food. Don't do anything. Go straight there. They're waiting for you. You know, in the in the fifties or the forties, they would have said you got the vapors. That would have been nice. <laughs> Might have been better than a crappy juice box. Yeah, yeah, that was very big in black and white movies. They would have sat you down and put a parasol over your head. It would have been lovely. <laughs> so, uh, time for that. Yeah. So you pulled yourself up, and <laughs> yep. do we drive? Do we take an ambulance? What do we do? We drove. We drove. Okay. It wasn't far. We drove like twenty minutes to our children's hospital. Okay. And they were waiting for her. It was perfect. They just brought her right in. You know, she was in DKA, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, they kept her in the ICU overnight. But she was tan. She no. looked, yeah, she was tan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice and tan. Yeah, we, we were all tan. <laughs> you guys probably looked a little <laughs> ridiculous, like glowing, like, hello. <laughs> so, okay. Did you apologize to her in the car on the way to the hospital? If you take insulin or sulfonylureas, you are at risk for your blood sugar going too low. You need a safety net when it matters most. Be ready with Gvoke HypoPen. My daughter carries Gvoke HypoPen everywhere she goes because it's a ready-to-use rescue pen for treating very low blood sugar in people with diabetes ages 2 and above that I trust. Low blood sugar emergencies can happen unexpectedly, and they demand quick action. Luckily, Gvoke HypoPen can be administered in two simple steps even by yourself in certain situations. Show those around you where you store GvoKypopen and how to use it. They need to know how to use GvoKypopen before an emergency situation happens. Learn more about why GvoKypopen is in Arden's Diabetes Toolkit at gvoglucagon.com slash juicebox. Gvoke shouldn't be used if you have a tumor in the gland on the top of your kidneys called a pheochromocytoma or if you have a tumor in your pancreas called an insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk for safety information. Diabetes comes with a lot of things to remember, so it's nice when someone takes something off of your plate. U.S. Med has done that for us. When it's time for Arden's supplies to be refreshed, we get an email. Rolls up and in your inbox says, Hi Arden, this is your friendly reorder email from U.S. Med. You open up the email, it's a big button that says click here to reorder, 
and you're done. Finally, somebody taking away a responsibility instead of adding one. US Med has done that for us. An email arrives, we click on a link, and the next thing you know, your products are at the front door. That simple. USMed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. I never have to wonder if Arden has enough supplies. I click on one link, I open up a box, I put the stuff in the drawer, and we're done. US Med carries everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Libre 3 and the Dexcom G7. They accept Medicare nationwide, over 800 private insurers, and all you have to do to get started is call 888-721-1514 or go to my link usmed.com slash juicebox. Using that number or my link helps to support the production of the Juicebox podcast. For thinking Probably. she had an eating disorder, you don't remember, do you? You don't remember any of this. I don't, I don't remember that. I remember sitting in the back seat with her, but I don't remember, you know, everything I said. But I do know that, you know, eventually at some point I apologized for for missing it because, you know, hindsight, 2020, all yeah. the signs. I mean, I had even taken her for an eye exam because her eye, her vision was fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we knew that she was chugging water. I mean, we, we all every single possible sign was there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you were in the back seat. Are you a fancy lady? Do you have a driver? I'm not a fancy lady, but I have a husband and he was driving. Oh, I didn't realize all three of you. Together. <laughs> I didn't yeah. realize all three of you were at the back of the boat. I am non-fancy. I was like, oh, look at her. She's in the back seat. <laughs> Amazing. Jeebs, yeah. we're going no, to I the think... hospital now. <laughs> bring well, the stop, car, please. Bring the Straight car the up, hospital. then come back and carry mother to the car. <laughs> no. How long are you guys in the hospital for? Only a night. I mean, she re- rebounded pretty quickly. I huh. mean, they didn't start us off in the ICU, but they they put us up there. Her A1C was high. She was 16.6. And we spent the night in the ICU. And the next morning, she was coming around and she was hungry. And I think, you know, we were waiting forever for them to give her, allow her to have some solid foods or applesauce or something. I don't remember. But um they discharged us that next afternoon to go to like an offsite location about a half an hour away to get our, you know, five, six hours of education. Mm-hmm. So we probably end up leaving the hospital around one or so the next day, packed with a, a sandwich to, to go practice with. Wow, that's crazy. Just one day from, from and what was, yeah. her, what was her A1C? 16.6. I don't understand. What, did you feel like you got the bums rush? No, no, not really. We everybody kind of wanted to get out of there, and she she was you know chatty and you know feeling better. Still weak, I'm I'm sure, but I didn't feel like we were being rushed out. Did you feel like you understood what you were doing when you left? No, not at all. <laughs> but they sent but but they sent us for five hours of education. So that's the deal. Like you get discharged at the children's hospital. And then you go to, you know, the endo center that's associated with the children's hospital. That's, you know, like about a half an hour away. And they're all there waiting that, you know, the team of educators. And so it's a whole class that you do immediately hmm. before they actually let you go home. I see. Like Fantasy Island when you pull up, there's a bunch of people out front in white coats. And- <laughs> yeah, there was no red carpet. But we had a really dry turkey sandwich and a bag of pretzels. There's no chance anyone listening to this has ever seen Fantasy Island, by the way. 
there might be some people. I don't know. I think we're those of us (laughs) who have seen that have got to be few and far between at this point. Anyway, uh, okay. So you do your five hours of education. Tell me what that was. What that was like to absorb all that because that seems like a lot of talking about diabetes on day two. Oh, it was brutal. And I'll tell you, there was a defining moment. I think in that day that really set her on a kind of a sideways course. We had, I feel like we had two diabetes educators, but one was primary. And um, the, you know, the deal was the hospital packed a lunch for us to take with us to use as the kind of counting carbs exercise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, she's in a wheelchair, they give her a box, of like a turkey sandwich and like this tiny, you know, not even the 100 calorie bag of pretzels, like this tiny little airplane bag of pretzels. Yeah. And a little bottle of water, and she ends up dropping it. And we're like, ah, you know, then we have to wait for them to make her another one. And we feel like finally we're getting out of here. And, you know, we're we're headed to the outpatient center and we have our lunch in front of us. And and the girl's like, now, what do you have for lunch? Like a turkey sandwich and some pretzels. (laughs) Okay. So the turkey sandwich, let's look it up. How many carbs are in each slice of bread? And, you know, she's teaching us how to do the math. And then she said, okay, now how many carbs are in the bag of pretzels? And maybe it was 12 or something. Mm -hmm. And then she says, now, are you going to eat that whole bag of pretzels? And I remember my daughter, you know, I think I can use her name. No one's going to know who she is. Sadie. She kind of looked at me like, am I not supposed to eat this whole bag of pretzels? Like, I'm absolutely starving. I haven't had food. I could eat. 12 of these bags of pretzels, you know? Mm. And so she said to the diabetes educator, um, maybe I'll eat half. And she was like, okay, so half. So that'll be six carbs. And so we did it kind of our carb count. And I just remember Sadie, like kind of almost like the blood draining from her face, you know, like, oh, everything's going to be different. Like I, my, my food is going to be restricted. I'm not going to be able to eat the things I want to eat. Why, why can't I have the whole bag of pretzels? You know, but we went through the process of, you know, the, the, the carb ratios and the correction factors. And, you know, of course we were MDI and finger sticks and, you know. Dana, I want to stop on this point for a minute because mm-hmm. I'm in the middle right now of going through this massive document where I'm trying to kind of plan out the next series that Jenny and I are going to do, which is going to be for doctors around diagnosis. Mm, Good. It's just so interesting because what I keep coming up with over and over again, one of the bigger problems, I don't want to say the biggest problem, but one of the bigger problems is that people's communication skills are terrible. Yeah. Like just, they're not good at talking. And for me, if I go through the whole rigmarole of them making me this turkey sandwich and packing this thing up and going through the thing at the hospital where this is what they're going to use to teach you about the blah, blah, blah. So it's really important that I drop it on the ground and I make me another one. I drive my ass over there. And then I get mm-hmm. there and some bright eyed, phony lady looks at me and goes, so what do we have to lunch? Like, I go, <laughs> yeah. my answer to you is you know damn right well what's in this bag why are you talking to me like wrong every kid comes here with this you yes. mother like why are you starting this off on this bullshit three-year-old yeah. stance is what i that yeah. would have been my even as a kid i would have been like no 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 yeah. lady let's not do this but instead like to me that's an indicator 
it's all yeah. fake and it's pretend and she's going to yeah. do the thing and oh my god and and by the way the question she asks about the pretzels she just wants food to- shaming immediately immediately trust me all the woman wants to do is indicate look the bag of pretzels has 12 carbs in it but if you were just yeah. need half of it that would be 6 you would, carbs you would do 6 right so right. Let, let me explain to everyone listening who doesn't know how to talk Instead of making up a pretend scenario to get your point across, which, by the way, is what most of you passive-aggressive people do while you're talking over (laughs) and over again, just say this. If you're going to eat the entire bag, then give insulin for the carbs for the entire bag. If you think Mm -hmm. you're not going to eat all of it, then do the math like for, say, I don't know, here's half the pretzels, take six. Or, Mm -hmm. hey... While we're at it, just yeah. in case you wanted to know, spill the pretzels out for a second. Look, there's 12 little pretzels in here, and there's 12 carbs. That must mean that each one of these pretzels is one. So you want nine of them, it's nine carbs. Hey, I'll tell you what. Like, if you want eight of them, it's eight car- Like, you can make yeah. your point a different way other than to put your daughter in a false scenario and make her choose. Because this is the possible outcome for yeah. some people. Yeah. You put into her head, oh, am I not supposed to eat all of this? Yeah. Immediately felt judged for wanting to eat the whole bag of pretzels. There was judgment and just, I guess, you know, almost food shaming. Like, well, I guess it would be more of a judgment. You know, she just felt like I'm not supposed to eat this whole bag of pretzels, you know, and that's kind of how our first grocery store trip went and that, you know, that. Sure. And then you know, as, as we get there, a, that takes us to a whole new problem that we are, you know, had to deal with. Off a cliff. And and my point, yeah. my point is just be direct and be yeah. honest. That's all. Yeah. I am here today to explain to you how to look at carbs on packaging. Yeah. These pretzels, if you eat the whole bag, are 12 carbs. If you eat two bags, it's 24 carbs. If you eat half a bag, it's six. The sandwich. We don't know because we don't have the package here. So what I'm going to tell you is that a slice of bread is probably around 20 carbs. And, you know, there's protein in this turkey. We're not going to initially bolus for it because we think it'll be okay because it's a low-fat meal. By the way, I'm now giving them credit for understanding fat and protein rises, which I'm sure is... They did not. Right, right. No, but But we learned that here. (laughs) Thank you. Now, like, you know, and here we go, and we're going to put the insulin in. And um, you know what? We can't eat right away because eh, then wait for it to work. We're going to wait for it to work a little bit. So I'll tell you what. Why don't we test your blood sugar here? And then we'll put in the insulin based on, you know, I'm sure they taught you the math of the correction factor and everything right there. And then, hey, I'll tell you what. Let's wait for 10 minutes and test again just so you can see that your blood sugar hasn't magically fallen through the floor in 10 minutes. And I've never considered how to teach somebody to do this. And I think that if you gave me three solid minutes to think about it, I could have ended up doing a better job than they did for her. That's all. And that lady stands there all day and does that for people. Yeah. And she has a really squeaky voice. So it was torture. Well, then (laughs) let's drag her out in the street and beat her. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Well, she should be fired. Well, no, for the squeaky kidding. voice at the very least. You don't hire her. She person. was lovely. She was lovely. Oh, but, please. Uh, I'm lovely. She was lovely, and it, it could have been much better. Right. It's just, uh, so listen, my point is this. Obviously, no one knows who she is, so whatever. But yeah, I know. my point is this, is that the way you speak to people needs to be thoughtful. 
Because yeah, everyone's going to absorb these things a different way. Your daughter took it the way she took it. You might have said that to me, and I might have done the math. I might have went, okay, what she's saying here is the bag's 12, but if I ate half, I'd do six, which, by the way, makes sense. And I don't really think anyone needs to explain that to me, but I'm glad she said it out loud. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, there's just so many opportunities as I, as I, like I said, go through this document of what people said they wish their doctors would have told them in the beginning. Mm -hmm. that I got feedback from the Facebook group. And then I'm applying what I have learned talking to so many people and trying to, to, you know, I'm trying to build a framework for how to have a conversation about it. And over and over and over and over again, all I see is that people are bad at communicating. Yeah, that's true. Almost every one of the problems could be solved by someone by better communication, just doing a better job at that. So anyway, okay, so now we're on our way. We're at the grocery store. She's wondering if she can have half of everything, like what's going on. Yeah, no, she's, we're looking at labels and everything that she wants to eat and she's drawn to, you know, we flip the bag over or the box or whatever. And she's like, nope, it's not worth a shot, you know, not worth a shot, not worth a shot. And we end up buying a bunch of really horrible, non-tasty foods, you know? I mean, we bought like the fake spaghetti, like that's like um, rubber bands in a little bag. And we <laughs> bought, I don't even know what but we Dana, bought this was all about spaghetti. Her. So, but she's under the impression at this point that she can limit the amount of time she has to do injections. Yes, that that is, that is uh, you know, a focus of hers. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to have to take, you know, a million shots or get large doses of insulin so let's try to shop for things that will make this easier. Oh. But that's kind of what we walked away with. Yeah, but there she is now, 13 years old, and she's standing in a grocery store trying to reimagine everything that she eats. Yes, and she's like, I can't have any of this anymore. It was awful. Yeah, we all know how good kids are at picking things they want to eat to begin with. So eliminating yeah. everything they enjoy really probably made yeah. it a lot easier. Yeah. Okay. Well, it certainly did backfire. Mm -hmm. No kidding. And on yeah. top of all that, and I'm gleaning from your note, you might have been feeling some pressure about this as well. Yeah, because, you know, I'm the one that wants to get this right, you know, and mm -hmm. I want to get that A1C down. And I want to be, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of the the control freak or the micromanager, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, when she would look at the box of, you know, junky cereal, you know, I was go right going right along with it saying, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, like, I think we should look at um, keto granola or something, you know, like, I mean, I was definitely part of the problem in that grocery store trip based on kind of my experience in that educational you know, as mm -hmm. well. Everyone's freaked out. So you're telling me that it might have been valuable if someone said to you, listen, yes, you may be making some adjustments to how you eat, but we're not going to make them all today. So yeah. don't go to the grocery store and freak yourself out. You know, yeah. but I, I listen, even I would say, like, let's not start with Lucky Charms. But right. you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, the way you bolus for Lucky Charms is not much different right. than how you're going to bolus for some really heavy like i don't know crunchy yeah. like yeah healthy right. cereal either there's a ton of carbs in that as well so right yeah yeah i mean it's oh my god and they said you know they said in the education you know you're not gonna have your friday night pizza nights anymore 
you're not going to have pasta every Wednesday. Like they were basically telling us this is going to change the way you eat. So we went to the grocery store with that mentality. You know, what's fascinating about that is that, again, that's passive aggressive because these are the same people who meet people every day at their regular appointments who are coming in there with eight, nine, a one C's and going, I don't know. My blood sugars are all over the place. I eat pasta. My, I don't know. So instead of teaching someone, Hey, pasta is going to be a difficult thing to bolus for, but don't worry over time. We're going to get your settings good. We're going to figure it out. You know, like that, it's not going to go likely very well in the beginning. Instead, they tell you, this is so interesting. Everything is set up like this, like the way people yeah, just think. to avoid things that are hard. Yeah, yeah, things that are difficult yeah. or things that yeah. that aren't good for you. Like, mm-hmm. here, here's here's my best example of this. Do you think drinking to excess is good for people? I do not. No, there's an entire billion-dollar industry built around it. Yeah. Here's another one, Dana. Do you think cocaine is good for people? I don't think it is. No, No, you know, we have world wars over the movement (laughs) of drugs around the planet. It it just really surprises me that saying it out loud to someone, hey, you should really stop with your cocaine, didn't fix it. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's amazing to me. Like, no more pasta and pizza. Really? Yeah. You think that did it? You got her all straight now? Good for you. People are idiots. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's all. I'm upset. Two days, Dana, I've been going through this document. I am so mad at You're about fired up. I'm so upset about <laughs> the the bullshit way yeah. that this space tries to address things that, by the way, are are very, very manageable if you understand how your insulin works. Yeah. Like unbelievable that we would jump through all of these hoops and send people down all of these backwards paths in their lives instead of just saying, Hey, you know, pasta is going to take more insulin than the carb count says. Right. Like, yep. Unbelievable. And there are features like extended bolus and tent basil. So there are strategies that you can use to be able to eat the foods that she, as a 13 year old, enjoys, you know? Yeah. But it it didn't take long. I would say within a month, month and a half, she had a binge eating disorder. Oh, there you go. Pretty quick. It's pretty quick. Yeah. So, so is that how that starts? She restricts, mm-hmm. restricts, restricts, mm-hmm. restricts, and then uh, goes. Can't do it anymore. Right. It's awful. Mm. Yep. So, you know, but she didn't stay out of school long. I think she only, you know, we only kept her home for a couple of days. And then we were like, all right, let's go. We're back at it. So she was back in track. She was back in soccer, you know, back to like walking with her friends after school. And I just remember we would like drive up to Dunkin' Donuts to meet her to give her a shot in the parking lot so she could you know, get something at Duncan with her friends. But it was like, if she was diagnosed in April, I would say it was probably May or June. You know, we started picking up on these really, really, really resistant highs. And the, where I just felt like I was just pacing the hallway from, from, you know, to her bedroom, pouring insulin on her, just, yeah. you know, and so just dumbfounded, like, why can't I get this down? What's going on? You know? And she was, she would come home from school and grab four or five protein bars and cheese sticks and packs of cookies. And she was binging after school and hiding the wrappers and, you know, wrapping them up in little tissues under her pillow, under her bed. To you know, avoid and, injecting. Not injecting. No. That's, she just didn't want to inject. She didn't, she, no. And, and, you know, we're, we're honestly, we're still kind of dealing with, 
her being in denial of all of this, even, you know, over two years later. But yeah, she she did not want to deal with it. And she, you know, at that point kind of turned to to food or or as a coping mechanism just mm-hmm. to kind of feel normal again, I think. Um, or to mourn, you know, the loss of her normal quote unquote normal life prior to diagnosis. You know, it occurs to me, I don't even know that what happened at the education is what did this. Like maybe this is just yeah. her wiring. Maybe this would have happened anyway. And it was gonna happen anyway, but it certainly yeah. didn't help anything. It didn't help. Yeah, yeah. It didn't help because it, you know, it affected my mindset as well. And you know, and I'm I'm driving the bus for the most part. You know, I'm 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 doing the majority of the grocery shopping and trying to counsel her on, you know, what we're going to eat and how what we're going to have for dinner and, you know, what the options are for breakfast. You know, so I, I was trying to be somewhat low carb and you know restrict some of these, you know, mm-hmm. more typical foods that we had pre diagnosis as well. So you yeah. know, I take you know a huge piece of that. I'm going to take the opposite side of this argument for a second because I think that. I think that can what can happen sometimes is that because the I don't know the perspective I bring to this is that I'd like people to understand how to use insulin for yeah. whatever they're going to eat because I don't feel like I can tell the world how to eat right like yeah. I, and by the way I could I could stand up and bang a drum if I wanted to and I could yell and scream and no one would listen to the podcast and that'd be the end of it but but yeah. I'm not saying I couldn't say it I'm saying that I don't think that's how you get through to people. And right. if you're waking up every day and eating a bowl of Lucky Charms, if you want my personal opinion, take me out of this podcast for a second. I think you're making a health mistake. Okay? Yeah, sure. Regardless right. yeah, yeah. of your diabetes, diabetes. no yeah, diabetes. Absolutely. I don't even care. Like you could be seven feet tall and look like an Adonis. If you're eating a bowl of cereal every morning, I think you're probably making a long term health mistake that your right. body is in such good shape it is compensating for in the moment. That's my personal opinion, okay? Now, to say that I won't eat a bowl of cereal this year, I mean, may or may not happen. But if someone were to bring, like, some, like, Crunchberry Captain Crunch in here or something like that, I got to think one day around 2 o'clock in the afternoon in between editing podcasts, I might throw a bowl of cereal down. That That could happen to me, okay? (laughs) If you put it here. Are you asking me if I would buy it? I wouldn't buy it. If it ended up in the house, I would one million percent eat it. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I, as a matter of fact, I might be one of those people who, like, a week from now, is like, I ate that whole box of crunch berries. How'd that happen? Like, like, yeah. like, you know, like, I'm not saying that. But if you're using insulin, that's more difficult than if you were to eat something else. And by the way, most low carb people would make the example, like, you know, in the morning, have bacon and eggs because, like, who wouldn't get sick That's of that? That's not good after? for you every single day either. By the way, nothing over and over again is great for right. you. But I mean, for my money, I think bacon's terrific. If you gave it to me three days in a row, I'd be like, oh, this is greasy and making me upset. And yeah. so like, I couldn't do that either. My right. point has always been, know how insulin works, adapt it to your lifestyle. Then once this whole diagnosis period's over, and even that you could be years into it, like now you've got managed blood sugars, stability, health on a diabetes side. And now you can address if you want the way you eat, but trying to, trying to on the same day, tell a person, let alone a 13 year old person trying Mm -hmm. to tell a person, Hey, 
you have an incurable disease. You're going to have to inject yourself with needles all the time. And bonus, you can't eat any of the food that you enjoy. Well, I don't know. What are we doing? Like, who thinks that's going to go well? Yeah. You know, and for people who would yell, well, eat keto, you go grab me five 13 year olds off the street. (laughs) No, don't give them diabetes. (laughs) Don't tell them their life has just changed. Don't have them start thinking about like the oatmeal man from the commercials and had the diabetes and oh my God, what are my friends going to think and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to stick myself to take, don't even give them all that. Grab a bunch of 13 year old kids and tell them they're only eating keto from now on and see if you don't get your kicked in the middle of the street by a bunch of 13 year old kids. Massive revolt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't understand the thinking. Like, again, I know I'm not supposed to be shooting heroin, but yet here we are and the whole world is shooting heroin. So like, like, <laughs> like, what are we acting like just telling people the right thing is how, is how you fix it. It's effective. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. Everyone knows that's not right. Right. Like everyone. Right. But thankfully, I will God, say. Good. Where are we at? I did find, I was going to say, I did find the podcast pretty early on. Like, you know, when I was doom scrolling the one night in the hospital, I found it somewhere in some thread. So I would say it, it was I was pretty quick to get, you know, educated on the whole philosophy here of just insulin at the right time, the right amount for the right food. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. so it wasn't long in our house until we realized you can have the chicken tenders and French fries. You can have the Chinese food. Like we can have these normal things on occasion as we normally would on occasion and we can bolus for, we can do this. You know, we can, we have strategies, we have extended bolus, we have temp basils. And right. so, you know, it, it, we didn't live in this like hell of like, we can only have eggs and, you know, rubber band spaghetti. We, that, we, that, that phase was short, thankfully. And we ended up, you know, using Jenny. We did a six month uh, retainer with Jenny, who okay. was absolutely phenomenal. And we learned so much. And, you know, really, I was all in on you know let's let's bolus for fat protein we do basal testing like you know i zoned right in on let's let's use these strategies to the best of our ability and allow sadie to to kind of eat what she needs to eat as a teenager and wants to eat and and make this work but i would say it didn't it didn't fix what had already started you know yeah so so let's let's kind of get to it now she has uh, been diagnosed with depression Is now that, she has she has been, yeah so uh, that came a little bit later um so so the eat when we found the wrappers uh we did go we did decide to do an eating disorder intake mm-hmm. so during that intake uh we learned that sadie had had some feelings of self-harm and suicidal ideation okay so that that was news to us you know sitting at that intake so then she was given, uh, essentially, you know, taken her to the pediatrician and given a diagnosis of depression as well. So, you know, now, and she's got Hashimoto's that was given at the hospital. So, you know, now we're looking at type one Hashi, you know, binge eating disorder, depression, feelings of self-harm and suicide. Hey, where, when did they diagnose the Hashimoto's? In the hospital. Uh, that was that was part of what came back in, in the whole you know routine blood work that they did in the hospital. And I have hypothyroidism, and so does my mom. 
Now, no one's ever checked our antibodies. I would just assume it's probably Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. but. Did they start medicating that right away? You know, the doctor offered to, and I hadn't looked at the blood work enough to think about that for like a week or two. And then I re- circled back with them and said, yes, I would like to start that. Okay. So, I was just wondering. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because much. depression can be like untreated thyroid issues could lead to depression. Yeah. That's why I was wondering. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, she started treatment pretty early on with Levo. Okay. Where do they keep her TSH? They do a pretty good job, actually. It's always under three, usually under two. I keep mine under two. Yeah. Mine was recently up to nine. Uh, I didn't know it. And the blood work showed it and he bumped me up and then we rechecked it and it was under two. Interesting. Under two is yeah. where I vote. Um, but yeah. I interesting about yours jumping up. Arden got home from college and she didn't seem like herself. Yeah. This last time. And, you know, we she was she had been gone for six months, so she was going to the, the doctor anyway when she got home. And um her TSH jumped up to over five. Wow. Yeah. So, and and the doctor was like, look, I don't think this is a thing where we're going to, um, like need to raise up your medication forever. So she did this thing. Like, I don't want to like tell people like, this is not something you should do on your own, but you know, she did some calculations and, and hit her hard for 10 days with a large, a larger dose of something and then put her back to her other thing. Um, but you know, Addie's a kind of a wizard. So yeah, uh, yeah. with, With the thyroid stuff. Um, yeah. So actually, she has to go back and get another blood draw before she goes back to school to see where we're at. Yeah, see where it is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, what what was your uh, symptoms when your TSH jumped? None. Really? Never had any. That's I've never had any, and neither did my mom. Hmm. We never gained weight. We never felt tired. We're like wired twenty four seven. So, like, if anything, I have trouble relaxing and going to sleep. So you would almost think I have hyper, you know. Well, you're very Caucasian. So no, and you're from it, New England. So, but I'm not from New England. Oh, I just adapted very well. Oh, okay. <laughs> I grew up in Virginia and I went to college in Georgia. I just moved up here for work. Gotcha. I have to tell you that yeah. so far, the most surprising thing in this conversation is that the internet exists in New England. That I didn't know for sure. Oh, yeah, we got it. Yeah, we sure do. Even in this small town. How do they get the wires through all the trees? Not very, it's not very consistent. It's not, it doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. You don't have to ruin it. Um, <laughs> You, I said you're very Caucasian when you were like, I'm I'm wired and I'm like <laughs> I yeah. am. I had my DNA back. It's the most boring DNA in the world. <laughs> I'm just looking at your photo and like if I went to Google right now and typed in white lady, it's possible you would pop up. <laughs> yes, and I was told I had Native American blood and when I was being raised and it was yeah, a lie. Those people lied to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yes. <laughs> so how do you address when the mental health stuff comes up? in the eating disorder intake how does that all get addressed so we went on the wait list for the eating disorder center because it was like a six month plus wait list yeah. so we just went to the pediatrician and the pediatrician thankfully who's a nurse practitioner but she's phenomenal agreed to start her on zoloft um because at that point we were still kind of in covid land it was nearly impossible to get in with a pediatric psychiatrist so she started her on a low dose 25 milligrams and um Got us on the wait list with like an adolescent medicine specialist that was going to be a doctor that could kind of help us with the, the the eating disorder, the depression, and maybe kind of the self-harm piece. So eventually when we got in with her, she bumped the dose up. And then it was around that 
you know, maybe we're with her for a little while. Eventually got in with a psychiatrist. Uh, did she actually hurt herself or was she just having thoughts about it? She eventually did. Yeah. So, it, you know, it became very routine that it, she was very depressed, uh, not showering, not doing her hair, not putting makeup on, not doing her homework, spending time in bed, not wanting to be with friends. Um which is very different for I me. Mean, she, prior to diagnosis, was the kid. And we, we're the house that has friends over, right? The, the door is always open. The pantry is always full. There's a pool. There's a volleyball net. There's yeah. a trampoline. It's the fun house, right? So that started to go away, you know, and it felt weird. And Sadie would just spend a lot of time, you know, at home alone, kind of living in that, that depression. And, and then I, being the kind of, type a control freak that I am have trouble understanding that even though, even though I do from an intellectual standpoint, understand it, you know, I still would say things like, come on, let's get up. Let's go for a walk. Let's, you know, you know, we gotta, we gotta do something. We gotta feel better. We gotta, we gotta move our bodies, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was being met with (laughs) significant resistance. And my husband and I were constantly fighting about it because you know, she would come home from school and he would be working from home and she would take all these snacks up to her room and he would be oblivious to it because he was in the office, you know, basically with a headset on working all day. And I was out working all day and I would just see these blood sugar numbers, you know, 300, 350. And I'd be texting. I'm like, more insulin, please. You know, what's going on over there? You know, just mm-hmm. driving them all crazy. And I think, you know, at, at one point, I guess we kind of reached, we did reach somewhat of a boiling point and we were like, I think I would be better off if I didn't live here because I, you guys are driving me crazy and I'm driving you crazy. And I ended up in a hotel for a couple of nights just to kind of let everybody decompress maybe and think about what, what are we doing here and what's our goal and what do we need to do for Sadie? But, you know, I, I would be you know, trying to do the Warsaw method, you know, on the fat and protein. And my husband's still like, how do I do a temp basil? And, and, you know, I would just get very, very frustrated, you know, Mm -hmm. and I would spend a lot of time talking about the podcast. And they were like, would you shut the F up about the podcast? You know, like I hear that sometimes. So you're in one direction, a thousand miles an hour, and they're in the other direction, not, not moving at all. Right. Exactly. Right. So she's not bolusing for her food. Your husband doesn't grasp the the necessity behind it. How is that possible by the way? Or the complexity. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, he understood the necessity of like, okay, if you're going to have a plate of spaghetti, you need to bolus for it. But just the complexity of what this food means and what this glycemic glycemic index will do and, you know, what this cheese is going to do four hours later. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that just wasn't that just wasn't there for him, you know, and he he struggled to grasp it. Sadie didn't care. Right. You know, she wasn't going to take the lead with that. And I was all in. So it just created a ton of conflict. And with your husband, like before you went to the Marriott. Um, like you sit down and you explain like, Hey, her blood sugars are high. This is going to really hurt her. We're shortening her life significantly. Like you say those things and he goes, what? Um, it basically sounded something like, I know that. And I'm working, I'm in my office, I'm working, I'm on the phone. What do you want me to do? You know? And kind of like, you want to, you want to deal with it. You work from home, you deal with it, you know? Mm. 
And I'm like, well, the job I had at the time, I was like, I can't work from home. It's not an option. I'm on the road. I'm in sales. Yeah, but let me let me let me keep going with this. So, mm-hmm. do you think he really understands what we're talking about? Like, like, do you think he really understands that she's gonna like not like she's gonna start losing her vision in her 30s? That her like <sighs> like her kidneys are gonna stop working? That she's going to have gastroparesis like i'm naming a bunch of things that i've had people on here tell me have happened to them when they grow up through their teens don't pay attention to their blood sugars and end up in their mid-20s and early 30s like like do you think that or do you think that he just didn't really think that was going to happen because i'm trying to imagine you're still together right we are yeah so i imagine you're married to somebody who hopes and expects your daughter to live a long time and be healthy so Mm -hmm. when 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 people are met with the idea like i understand the kid like she's 13 Mm -hmm. even if it happened to you and you were blocking it out as an adult i'd understand that but the people around you who are adults who who are have been informed i just don't understand like to me it's like holding a lighter under your arm like, I get if you're doing it. I don't understand if your dad doesn't swat the lighter out of your hand. That's the thing, right? right? Yeah. Go ahead. And I I, I think, you know, the, it, it's still a little bit of that, well, it's not going to happen to her, or it's not that bad, or, you know, she's a teenager, and teenagers are going to go through, you know, difficult periods, and this is still new, you know, just a lot of kind of excuses. Meanwhile, really, her A1C had gotten quite good. Okay. Because I was the insulin. Pl- I mean, I drove everyone crazy, but I got her down to a 6.1, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, You're running around like crazy yelling bolus every five seconds. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Because nobody's yes. Middle doing of the it. night crazy. Right. All day crazy. Out of the house crazy. Yes. Yeah. So you're holding, you're propping up the whole thing. Yes. And yeah. it was terrible. Sure. For everyone. Mm-hmm. No, for different reasons. Yeah. yeah. And then I would say like, you know, my, my, you know, I would just be full of a lot of rage and anger because I, I felt like I was kind of trying to do all this on my own. And no one's listening. No one seems to care as much as you do. The pressure right. of her staying alive and healthy falls solely on you because nobody else is paying attention to it. Like that kind of stuff. That's how it felt. Yeah, of yes. course. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. And th- And then she started cutting. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, you were probably like, I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing before. Now I really don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, now we got more problems. I mean, the six month waiting list, by the way, for the eating disorder center is, I mean, confusing. I, I, I understand how it happens. Yeah. But I mean, again, yeah. it's like calling the fire department and being like, my house is on fire. They're like, we have a slot for you. And all, you know, oh, you're going <laughs> to on Tuesday. Yeah. Now, do you <laughs> would you prefer if we came in April or May? Because I right. can do the third week of April, or the second week of May, you let us know. Yeah, it was that bad. And it was still virtual only. And she was just like, forget it. I will zone out 100%. Don't even put me in there, you know? So we actually never did it. We found other resources. Mm, okay. Um, but we, we did not go into that program. Where are we right now, Dana? Like, how do things stand today? Right now, we are in a DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy Program, um, with a psychological group that's about an hour away from us. We started there at the advice of her psychiatrist because the multiple things, right? The eating disorder, the self-harm, the binge eating. And then what we didn't touch on, but I'll just briefly, a loss of friendships. She really lost her friends. Um, And she started going down with the wrong crowd. 
um, so much so that we changed her school. So the, the psychiatrist looked at us at our second visit and said, I think you need DBT therapy. And DBT is there to kind of help with emotion regulation and really, uh, apparently it's shown to be effective for many of these things, self-harm, eating disorders, not type one diabetes, but you know, all the emotional stuff that she was also dealing with. Mm -hmm. So we are deep into that program. They have a, we have a group every Tuesday night for an hour and a half. She's in a group of teens. We're in a group of parents. And then she has a one-on-one with her therapist on Thursdays. Um, and I think now we don't get a lot of feedback from the the therapist because there is a lot of, they do keep things very confidential between Sadie and her, her therapist, but we can tell that this, the disordered eating is a lot better. We're not fighting, you know, I'm not fighting highs all night that I can't explain. I'm not finding rappers in a room for the most part. Now I do occasionally, but for the most part, that's a lot better. We're not seeing cutting. If if it's happening, I'm, I'm just not aware of it. Um, but when I ask, you know, I'm, I'm told that that's better. So that program is going to be coming to a close in about five weeks. Because um, she's graduating or because they're moving out of town? It's it's It'll be the end of the program. It'll be graduation for okay. all the teens. However, they did spring on us yesterday that she's not really ready to graduate. And they want us to keep her in what they call the grad group. So kids that have completed the program but still need More need help. to be in the yeah. program, essentially. Can I ask, is there any indication of these ideas if she doesn't get diagnosed with diabetes? Like, did you see her? I know it's tough because she was just 13, but were we moving in this direction? I don't think so. No, no, I really don't. I mean, she had such a fun adolescence, so many friends, so active, you know, sports, and they would get on their bikes and ride down to the river and they would have you know, swim parties here late at night and sleepovers and she would get invited to do things. I mean, all that, that came to a grinding halt. She hasn't, she didn't get invited to do anything. Do you think she's changed in a way that other people are like, I don't want her around? Or do you think that, okay. Sadly, sadly I do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think she's, she's, she's pissed. And I think she has lashed out um, at friends. And she's also very much still in denial of her diagnosis. So, you know, we still struggle a lot with her not bolusing before she eats. Um, you know, we're about to send her back to school and sports and she's 15. She's going to be a sophomore. We're not sure we can have the doctor write up the orders to make her independent at school. Because last year we tried that as a freshman, we thought, okay, freshman, she she can be independent. She can bowl us before her lunch. That's what she wanted. But the endo thought was appropriate. And within a few months, it was, it had gone sideways. Like, you know, we see our numbers get up over 300, you know, practically daily. Um, so we changed the order. So she had to go to the school nurse, but then she still wouldn't go or they'd snack and not have insulin. We'd have to call the school nurse three, four times a day, every day. Yeah. Uh, please call her down. She needs insulin. Please call her down. You know, and so we're we still haven't. We're not. We're really not much of a better place for that. Yeah. Um, do you have other kids? Yes, the neglected one, Charlotte. She's turning thirteen. Um, um, I was going to ask what it's been like for her as well. Awful, because she's a worrier, so she worries about Sadie, and she. 
feels left out a lot. We, we've spent so much time and energy and focus on Sadie, all these appointments and these therapy programs and oh, just it's been so consuming that, you know, here she is like, could somebody just play Uno with me? You know, would somebody just like right. come read a book with me? You know, and it, it like my heart breaks for her because she was so she was, uh, you know, 11 when this happened. And her life got turned upside down too. Yeah. So yeah, it's, well, that's terrible. I'm it's sorry. Caused some stress for her. How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does not sound very. Uh... Well, you know, I just kind of charge on. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot. I'd go back to the hotel if I was you. <laughs> I'm going one tonight, but they're coming with me. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see a? a path out of this yet or is it not obvious yet my hope is the path out of this is through this dbt work that we're doing they it is a phenomenal group of psychologists uh additionally sadie's going through a battery of testing right now for adhd ocd learning disorders and i suspect that they will pick up on something you know it's possible that if she has adhd that it is contributing to forgetting to bolus or, you know, there could be something else going on. Mm-hmm. It's not just Sadie being negligent, you know? Right. Right. But, you know, we had a terrible school year last year in terms of, you know, the homework not getting done. And I forgot, I forgot this. No, I forgot that. And um, she plays sports, but she wouldn't pay attention to her blood sugar. So, you know, she'd be on the court at 300 or she'd be on the court at 50. You know, she, she doesn't, did not, and I'm. I fear this year she still will not want to deal with it enough to to manage it through another sports season. Okay. So we got a couple of things going on. You're worried she's going to stop playing sports too. Well, she she loves volleyball, so I don't think that she would make an active decision to mm-hmm. not want to play. But I think. If she doesn't get a handle on how to manage this through the season, the coach can't rely on her and her team can't rely on her. She's of no help to them if her blood sugar is 300 or 50. I have a question. So how does she manage? What is she using? Oh, she's on the Omnipod 5. And we recently switched to the G7. We actually have a couple of G6s left, but we recently switched to the G7 just to try a smaller device for her because she is so self-conscious and she wants to hide it all. And, she, you know, the, the closed loop, I guess, you know, everything would, every alarm would go off when she would get an urgent low and any little beep embarrasses her and the little click associated with the microbolus was embarrassing when she was in class. So anyway, we moved over to the G7 and she actually surprisingly wants to go back to the G6, but that's how we manage. Hold on a second. You, you're not using Omnipod 5 with G7. They don't work together yet. So well, we—they're both attached to her body, but it's obviously—it's uh—it's not a loop. We're in manual mode. Okay, so you're wearing an Omnipod five, running it in manual while she's doing G seven. Mm-hmm. But she mm-hmm. does she miss the automation? Do you think? I think a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, I think we'll probably let this G seven script run out and go back to the G six mm-hmm. because yeah, it was certainly a little bit handier for like going into activity mode, and it could certainly tackle the rise. From you know ice cream or, or a cheese stick or something you know so it it did help in 
in certain aspects. Like I was up three times last night, given her corrections that I wouldn't have had to do if she was on the G6. Yeah. What's her A1C? Right now, 6.2. So it's been as low as 5.8. But you're, but you're constantly involved. I'm crazy. Yes. Okay. 100%. Yes. And what's her standard deviation? Is it bouncing? Is it high? Oh, I wish I had her PDM in front of me. Yeah. It's, it bounces a lot. It's probably 35, 40. Okay. Like if, if we, if we let her control, like, you know, sleep over with friends for her birthday, 350 overnight, they just had a bunch of candy and didn't do anything. You know, she was at 4-H camp and they had a bunch of candy constantly up over 300. So if, if I wasn't the crazy person on the sidelines trying to correct everything, mm-hmm. day one C would be so horrendous. Listen, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question. Did you listen to the episode about the eyelet? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I was totally on top of that. I I saw the news, you know, before you got him on. Uh, we we would never go to a tube pump. Okay, so the tubing would be the issue for her. But would yeah, so take that away for a second. If you told her, look, all you have to do is say, large meal, medium meal, small meal. Would she mm-hmm. do that, or you think she probably wouldn't do that either? We talked about it yesterday morning. I think there's a good chance she wouldn't do that either. Yeah, because it's still just changing gears, you know, and, and admitting that you have to deal with something that you don't want to deal with. I, I think there's still a large I understand. piece of denial going on there. Yeah. It's just it, her, her preference would be to avoid this and pretend it's not there. Okay. No, I completely understand. Okay. Yeah. So Dana, I think we've done a good job of going through all of this. <laughs> I'm going to try to end on an upbeat note. Okay. What did you tell me right before we started recording? Oh, that I'm the mean person that's responsible for getting rid of talking about religion on the Facebook page. So the Facebook page now (laughs) has had a rule for like, I don't know how long now. It just says, it says no religion or politics. Right. That's it. Right. And and, and I, by the way, I don't really stop people from talking about stuff. It's just that if it gets out of hand, I can point to that. I can point to that rule as to why I have to shut the thread off if it happens. It doesn't right, happen very right, often, right. but I don't yeah. remember what you're talking about. So can you please like relive it with me? Yeah. Well, there was, I remember there being a political post one time and I, I commented, I was like, Hey, I thought we were going to talk about politics. And, um, and then I was, it occurred to me then I was like, that's funny. We have a no politics rule, but we don't have a no religion rule, but I didn't really think much of it. And then one day there was one of these posts and it was lovely. But it was all like, thank God or thank Jesus. You know, my son is alive or my daughter is alive. Mm-hmm. You know, if it weren't for God or Jesus, I wouldn't, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, and then I just commented, I think we have should have a no religion rule in addition to a no politics rule. And, and then you you actually commented and respectfully, Dana, I disagree because faith is a large part of people's lives. And I'm, and I, and I shut up. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say another word on that whole thread, mm-hmm. but my philosophy was, or maybe I did comment to one person on the thread because my philosophy was mechanically your faith has nothing to do with blood sugar. Mechanically okay. speaking, it's, it doesn't, it does not play a role. Your faith may be important to you, but this is about managing blood sugar and working with insulin. And I don't know, sometimes I just, religion just is a turnoff for me and personally just, and it's, I'm not a non-religious person. Don't get me wrong. She go, my daughter goes to a Catholic school. We are not anti-religion. I want to just tell you, Dana, I knew you were Catholic, even though I never asked you, but go ahead. I'm not 
Catholic. Well, I'm not Catholic. The kids I was raised Protestant. My husband was raised Catholic. Right, well, somebody, Catholic somebody school. is. It, I could, that I yeah. can tell for sure. Uh, but yeah. but but so okay. So here's my thought on it. Yeah. I I I don't just not have a problem with it. I'm completely unencumbered by the thing that you're upset by. So if somebody yeah. if somebody wants to say I pray that this happens or I want to thank That's Jesus fine. for like I not only do I not have a problem with it, it doesn't I don't rub up against it at all. Like so it doesn't make me upset. I wonder what but it did you and it does for other people as well. Yeah. And I think I think that if I'm paying attention correctly it is really the difference between the brain that says that there's a higher power and the brain that says that there's not a higher power. And for the people who say that that's not in existence, then when you say things like, I need help with my health, or I hope this blood sugar, I'm praying that this blood sugar comes down, your brain goes, don't pray, bolus. And <laughs> yes. And by the way, my brain says that too. My brain says, don't pray, bolus. But I also am not upset that they're praying for it. I would just say, no, hey. and I, I am not either. And listen, right. somebody asked me to pray for their dog the other day, and I told them I would pray for their dog. See, I'm not anti-prayer. Dina, let me I, go with I, you on that for a second. I would yeah. not do that. <laughs> if you asked me to pray for... <laughs> well, I do love dogs. No, no, it's not the dog part. <laughs> it's not the dog part. If you said to me, can you please pray for whatever... I would say yeah. I will absolutely keep a good thought for you. And I and, yeah. and by no, the way, I generally would, say I will send my good vibes. Yeah. I really do generally and, say yeah. that. And yes. I would I honestly throughout the day think about you. Like, yeah. Uh, yes. but, yeah. But if you I would send my good vibes. Right. But that <laughs> that request wouldn't send me into a private room bedside where I would no. decide that I'm gonna pray for the dog or, no. or and a, let me disclose right. i did not pray for the dog so I you lied the dog my good ju- i sent the dog my good vibes so you lied to that lady that you would pray for her dog is that right i did yeah i hope she hears this i hope one day she goes oh my god i was i really i thought that's why that dog lived <laughs> but she uh, needed to hear so <laughs> but so, no i just you know i find a lot of religion to just be a little bit ugh, what's the word it's like I don't know the the over the the I don't know the the some people are just so focused on religion that I feel like some things aren't very genuine and kind and, and underneath. Why does know? that? Why does that matter to you? Because because there are people like I'm not saying that that it's not genuine or kind. I'm saying that if that's your assessment, there are other people who you would assess that way who aren't religious. Why does it matter when it comes from religion? Something happened to you when you were young that turned you off to religion. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, I would say that nothing, nothing specific happened to me when I was young. I mean, I was raised in a church that and I didn't have a bad experience or anything. I just find that some of the people that proclaim to be followers of Jesus, followers of Christ, are some of the more judgmental, closed-minded people that I have ever encountered. Well, I don't know about that, but they do have a lot of rules they're trying to follow. So it, it, it just something rubs me the wrong way. And there are people within my own family that you know, proclaim to be, you know, followers of Jesus and born again. And, you know, they go to church every Sunday. They wouldn't stop and buy a sandwich for a homeless person. They would say, why does that homeless person have a cell phone? You know, there's judgment. So, Dana, we're get, we're getting to it. So in your personal life, you know, people who proclaim religion, but are not very religious minded. They're not very good people okay. when it comes down to it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's been your experience. Yeah, that's and that is my bias. Yeah, right. It col- it colors how you think about it. But now, yes. now, 
extrapolate that all out and put me put yourself in the position of me who is running a Facebook group with 40,000 people in it. <laughs> I don't care about well, I have some regret after I made the comment. <laughs> I don't care about what you saw your uncle do, okay? Or or or, or your biases. I I don't care about them. Yeah. Just as like I don't care about the other ones. You have to understand that from my perspective, it doesn't matter if Jesus is a walking, talking person living in a cloud, or if it's a Bubameister that somebody made up 4,000 years ago. I honestly don't care. I'm running a place yeah. where both people right. and their beliefs exist at the same time. And yeah, and and so it doesn't matter to me if you say, I like, we just had a situation the other day, a situation made it sound like a lot more than it was, but somebody said, I'm praying for this. Mm-hmm. And a person came in and was like, there's no religion in this group. Like, didn't just oh, say it. Mm-hmm. They dropped a photo of the of the rule. Mm. And I was like, uh-oh, mm. that person's looking for mm-hmm. a fight. So I step in and I remove his comment and I send mm-hmm. him a private note. And I'm mm-hmm. like, look, I don't know what you're doing here, but stop. Like, that's mm-hmm. literally what I said. So mm-hmm. then I had a private back and forth with that person where they said, I'm just going through a lot right now. I have a couple of family members with health issues. I'm stretched too thin. And in mm-hmm. honesty, I got online to shit post to make myself feel better. And I feel bad about that. <laughs> and I'm sorry, right? So yeah. that's mostly my consideration when I'm moderating. Is yeah. that even the day yes. that you did it, something was, and listen, you just spent an hour explaining uh, in a way that I think everyone listening could understand if you were having a bad day and you wanted to go pick something that you were sure you were right about to feel good about for a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my anticipation when I see that. I don't think yeah. anyone is a bad person. Like, I don't think people set out to on people. I think no. that I think that people get in bad situations. They have bad days. They have bad days that turn into bad weeks. They need a release yeah. and they pick something where they can kind of just get it out a little bit. And I think that yeah. happens online a lot. And so it's my yeah. it's my job to step up and go, ah, doesn't matter to me. Like yeah. you can't say that to her. And and so I'm not gonna let you. I don't need, and people are like, well you agree with her or not me. I'm like, ah, you're confused. <laughs> I don't give a flying fuck about either of your opinions. I'm not friends with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You're misunderstanding my job. I'm moderating yeah. the space. I'm not making right. a judgment about whether you're right or they're right. I couldn't yeah. possibly care less. Although I do care when people use that phrase wrong, when they say I couldn't care less yeah. and then or I could care less. If you say I could yeah. care less, then you actually could do care, care less. So mm-hmm. the phrase is I couldn't care less, which means I, I care so little. There's nothing below right. that. <laughs> anyway, there's nothing left. There's my yeah. synth- that's my my language. <laughs> yeah, my, my language. Listen, I see posts about like praying. So it, it was just that that one. And I guess you're right. It was like the, the right moment, the right time. Yeah. It was a very knee jerk re- response on my part, but I don't go down the I do not go down the thread and have comments and get roped into any drama whatsoever. But I, I but I see that stuff all the time and I don't I don't say anything. Because you know, reality is people having faith and religion in their life doesn't offend me. Yeah. You know, that particular one was just like I was just kind of like I had a like a, are you kidding me response. So like <laughs> I don't remember the context of it. But I'm going to read you something that is going to just, I assume, crack you up. And I hope give everybody a lot of 
respect for people who do the this thing of helping people online and moderating spaces. Let me see if I can find. Yeah. Oh man, if I don't find this, I'm going to be embarrassed. Hold on a second. I got yelled at pretty good online the other day privately. It's more fun when they yell at me privately. I'm super excited about mm -hmm. that when that happens. Like a DM? Oh yeah, yeah. So, oh. um, hold on. Oh, hell That's no. a rule. No DM. Oh, here it is. Okay. So a person doesn't matter what the context was online mm -hmm. was being an asshole. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now I can see they don't think they're being all right. right. And that's fine. But they are. They're picking mm -hmm. through a thread and jabbing at people and trying to cause problems. And I let them be themselves. But when they were unkind, I took out their phrase. So uh, yeah. their, their comment. Honestly, there's a ton of rules on the Facebook group because people's behavior precipitates them being necessary. But if yeah. it was up to me, the only rule on the group would say be kind. Because I think it, I think it. It, I yeah. think it covers everything. Yeah. So I get a note from this person that says, "I want to tell you that I was being nice, <laughs> and I was being exactly how I would like to be treated if I said something that was fucking ignorant." Oh, then, oh, oh! Then I <laughs> you am, just lost your nice status. Yes, because then I'm meant to be called out. Just because culture is this way for this person doesn't mean that the rest of us have to believe it or that it's right. But also don't generalize and, and it goes on and on. And oh. then at the end, this is really my favorite thing, except hold on. There's a thing going by my house is this could be the end of the world. What in the hell? Low flying airplane. This is the last recording of Scott Benner. I want to say goodbye <laughs> to everybody. I love like, it. What was pleasure. that? Jesus. Thank you all for coming. Uh, okay. So, but at the end, I won't be recommending anyone else to this group. <laughs> I'll let them know that they don't have freedom of speech. <laughs> so anyway, I could pick through this if you wanted me to. People don't understand what freedom is. There's a lot. Yeah, but like, there's a lot going on here, right? So I respond back and I say, first of all, the same thing I always say when somebody DMs me. Now, let's be clear. Other people would block you and that would be the end of it. Not me. I feel like I can get you back. I don't have these conversations in private because in the past, people will screenshot what I've said and mm. change it mm. and then reshare it. I understand you don't agree. I am moderating a large group. It is a job you don't want. Trust me. I removed a few of your posts and simply asked you to be nice. Mm -hmm. Two hours later, I came back and you're telling someone that, that anyway, then she did it again. I don't want to be too specific. Yeah. I said, so two things. I have a life and can't do this all day long. <laughs> <laughs> and what you just did is under no interpretation, nice. So I asked you to be yeah. nice and then you came back and you did it again. Your yeah. account was suspended for three days. I hope you come back when this is over. Have a good evening. Yeah. I want to yeah. be done, but I can't be done yeah. because I get a response. Well, oh. <laughs> you, well, you stopped me from posting so I can't post it there, which is why I'm sending this to you. And I said, well, yes, I did that because you continued to be unkind. I was trying to be kind by explaining to you that I don't normally talk privately, but then I went on to explain anyway. I hope you have a good night. I also have a fucking right to say something that's <laughs> ignorant. But it's okay that your admins continue to comment on my stuff and will not. So, by the way, there are other people trying to stop her from being a lunatic, like kindly, oh, yeah. and she sees this as being attacked. 
Now, I yeah. say those people are not admins. They're just lovely people who it's... love links for people to try to help them find the podcast. I said, by yeah. the way, they're also people and they have their own opinions. I yeah. also deleted them because when I deleted her thing, it all deleted out. It all I said, went away. Yeah. I said, but now here we are online and you're cursing at me. What should I do about that? Should I keep talking to a faceless person who is yelling at me about comments on a message board? No. Right? Please just yeah. say goodnight. I think if time mm -hmm. passes, this will all go away and we'll be okay. Thank you. Now, yeah. here's where I feel amazing. Scott, I apologize for my actions to you. Oh. I apologize for cursing at you. And I'm like, I read those two sentences like, I am making the world a better place. <laughs> but I will All not apologize. Is worth it. But I will not <laughs> apologize for stating my opinion. <laughs> I'm like, right. why do we have to do <laughs> Just say you're sorry and good night. Right? Um, <laughs> I will not tolerate being attacked because of my opinion. But I apologize to you for your podcast. Now, here's the part that oh. starts freaking me out. Because your podcast has been a godsend. Hmm. And I'm like, I, and so for wow. everybody listening, if you want to know what's really going through my head while this is happening, I'm thinking one thing. Mm -hmm. Just say thank you and mm -hmm. leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> like, yeah, that's all I'm thinking. But Take the content, be grateful, and leave your drama at home. For me, personally. But as a yeah. person who does this, honestly, this is terrific. It's a great back. She says to please have a wonderful and safe weekend. Thank you for your group and your yeah. podcast. I really am sorry again. This is not my character. And I said, there's yeah. no need to apologize, but thank you. I also hope you have a terrific weekend. And that's it. Yeah. And if that person hears yeah. this, please don't be embarrassed. Like, you're the only one who knows it's you, but don't be embarrassed. Yeah. Like, this is a great example of what we were talking about earlier, which is just you get into a bad spot. You don't realize you're in a bad spot. You start yeah. like lashing out at everybody looking for someone who's wronger than you are i know that's not english mm -hmm. right so that you can feel better for a couple of minutes mm -hmm. and then you run into me a person who doesn't want you to go i know the podcast yeah. is valuable for you and the space is valuable for you that you're going to get past this moment and that we're going to all be okay again because i've seen it happen over and over again i don't want anybody to lose out on the podcast so i try to work through these situations but it's just I could see how this was going the entire time. Like I've been through this yep. so many times. I actually know where this mm -hmm. is going to end and yep. they don't. And that's fine. I was wondering yeah. anyway, I just thought that was interesting to bring up. I hope that you find yourself in a similar situation with your problems at home, because I think that if you stay on this path, I think you can get your daughter through all this. Yeah. And, you know, you just have to be able to like, believe me that I've heard your story before and that people who, mm -hmm who manage it and stay on top of it um, usually, come out on the other they side. They do usually sometimes end up coming out the other side okay. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's hard to see in the moment. It's one of those right. contextual things. Like, you have to interview a bunch of 60-year-old people who tell you horror stories from when they were teens. To feel a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To realize yeah. that or those... to know that it might be okay. Yeah, yeah. that it could end up being okay. And, and I'm not dismissing it, too. It also... You know, I'm not, I'm, and I don't think I'd be blowing sunshine up your ass. Like this could go really bad too. But yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. But I feel like you know, there, there's you know, some comfort in knowing that we're trying all, all the all the things that we're trying are the right things. So. Yeah, and it sounds like your husband's going to the therapy for the parents as well. Yes. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. So he's getting it too. 
Yes. It's tough with the boys because even as we get older, we're just like 12 in our heads. So you're trying to get us to do stuff. And we're just like, I hope we can have sex soon. And (laughs) (laughs) football starting again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) I have like three thoughts. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, is there anything that we didn't talk about that we should have? No, I don't think so. We did it. Excellent. I think we covered it. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot. of. I Let me just apologize to uh, Rob, who does the editing now, about all the cursing. Oh, yeah. I've got a potty mouth, too. But you were, you were, you were dropping them more so than me. I'm so upset going through this document <laughs> for the new lead. Because, again, yeah. it's if you are in my position, and my position is a unique one, I guess, for having had so many conversations with so many different age people who have been diagnosed and gone through so many different things, different ages, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, yeah. it all, it's so obvious. So frustrating. And, yeah. and frustrating. It's so frustrating that you left a children's hospital, went to this thing that they have completely set up, and in yeah. minute one, we're on, a, on the wrong direction. Like, yeah. it's just, yep. that's so upsetting. Yep. You know, well, I hope the document that you create gets utilized. You know, it's going to be a series that Jenny and I make. Good. That, that's, oh, awesome. Okay, yeah, good. That's for, oh, that's right. Geared towards providers. I saw your post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to call it yeah. Grand Grand Rounds or something. I don't know yeah, exactly what awesome. I'm going to call oh, it. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. Jenny and I are going to go through from people's. We're going to lay out our thoughts. Um, we're going to use the uh, the feedback that we got from the Facebook group, which I guess after mm-hmm. you just heard that story, you're probably like, great. <laughs> lunatics but they're not they're all really lovely people who have great yeah, perspectives of their own and yeah, yeah. and i do think i will um I was say, i'll recommend i'm going to recommend it to my uh well let me get it out the, first and you listen group. to it and see yeah. what you think and then um yeah. if you like it and tell people about it, that'd be terrific yeah all right will. dana thank you so much for okay. doing this. i really appreciate it thank you yep. thanks all righty hey Take before care. i say goodbye dan are you really certain about having sadie's name in this you're okay with that yeah, it's okay. okay. There's not much to uncover or find there. Okay. It's fine. All right. Hold yep. on for me. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O K E G L U C. A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. A huge thanks to U.S. Med for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box podcast. Don't forget, usmed.com slash juice box. This is where we get our diabetes supplies from. You can as well. Use the link or call 888-721-1514. Use the link or call the number. Get your free benefits check so that you can start getting your diabetes supplies the way we do from U.S. Med. If you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. And get those automatic downloads set up so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. The episode you just heard was professionally edited by Wrong Way Recording wrongwayrecording.com.